The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Filato, joined, as always, by Chris Flum. And we are here today to break down some of these later picks by the New York football giants. Look, after Saturday, day three, Chris and I went live on the YouTube and we started discussing more depthly Eric Gray, the running back out of Oklahoma that was selected on day three. But Chris and I didn't have too much information on the rest of the players the New York Giants selected. And that is, of course, at pick 207 overall, Trey Hawkins, the third cornerback out of Old Dominion, pick 243, Jordan Riley, the defensive lineman out of Oregon, and then Javarius Owens, the safety out of Houston with the Giants last pick. And they also added several, several, I would say interesting, Chris, free agents, undrafted free agents at the end of the at the end of Saturday. So I kind of want to get into some of the more interesting ones of those guys that we've already seen. But Chris, how are you doing? And how do you feel collectively about the draft weekend? I feel like it was a good weekend overall. You know, I think the Giants have they got some starters and I think they got some potential gems through the end of the draft, the day three guys that we're going to talk about and then into the undrafted free agents. Now, there's one UDFA in particular I wanted to talk about, and that was uh, Bryce Ford Wheaton, wide receiver out of West Virginia. The other guys, I think we want to, might want to save those guys to right before this weekend's rookie minicamp, but there are some pretty interesting guys there as well. But what, why, don't we just jump, why don't we just go in order and uh, start with Trey Hawkins? Let's go right to Trey Hawkins, who started his college career at Trinity Valley Community College back in 2018. He spent two seasons there and transferred to Old Dominion. But 2020, Old Dominion did not play their season because of COVID-19, because of the pandemic. So he only has two years at the Old Dominion level, 2021, 2022. He led the entire entire program's history at Old Dominion. Nobody has had more tackles at the cornerback position than Mr. Trey Hawkins, the third himself. So this is somebody who is an absolute, I would say, tackle monster. He hits like a freaking Mack truck, an incredibly physical individual. And you see that on his film. What did you think of his tape when you got to this six foot two, 188 pound cornerback out of Old Dominion? Yeah, I thought for a guy who's six foot two, as long as he is, I thought he was surprisingly smooth and fluid. Yeah, just 
on the move in space. Like he, he can open up his hips. He can turn run, stay in phase with receivers. He's got good length. He's got good athleticism. I think he has the upside to be a man coverage corner eventually. Yeah, I, I do have a couple concerns, but then again, he's a six round pick. If there weren't any concerns, he wouldn't have been a six round pick. He would have gone much, much higher. <laughs> Nick, you're muted. <laughs> Something's going on here. I don't know why. Maybe I hit that. I'm not sure. I don't think so, though. Okay. Uh, just edit that one. Yep. I already got it. Okay. Ready? Yep. yep. I'm going to read my quick synopsis on Trey Hawkins III after I got through his tape. Trey Hawkins III only had two years at the Conference USA level, but his traits are tantalizing and a perfect gamble for round six of the draft. He has starting NFL size, speed, and length with the temperament of a disturbed wasp's nest and excellent force behind his hits, which you really see on tape, Chris. Hawkins III is a very tough and intimidating presence, and he was certainly on first-team all-chirp. The guy is very confident in his abilities, and I'm sure that appealed to the Giants coaching staff. He still needs development, and Jerome Henderson could be the perfect teacher for Hawkins III. Eliminating false steps in press, eliminating the lunging in press, will allow him to transition more smoothly at a consistent level. Hawkins III is a smooth athlete overall, but he was beat a handful of times on tape by speed receivers at the Conference USA level. His floor is a special teams asset, and his ceiling is very high. Hawkins III is a perfect gamble at a priority position with upside late on day three, who projects well in Wink Martindale's defense. Yeah, and I agree with pretty much all of that. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you pointed out the false steps in his transition and basically in press man coverage, because I did see that on tape. I watched the game against Virginia early on, and there was a rep early in that game. It was just a simple slant route. And Hawkins was in good position through the beginning of the rep, right through the, that very brief stem that a slant route has. But then as the receiver made his break towards the middle of the field, Hawkins kind of, I don't know. I don't want to say stumbled, but taking a false step is a good, that's a good description. And the receiver just got wide open on him, just completely left him in the dust. And it was a receiver that Hawkins absolutely has the speed and fluidity to stay with as long as he cleans up that those technical errors. So I do think he has a good chance of making the team as a special teams contributor because of that, uh, we'll say competitive toughness that he has. And then maybe he improves, works on those issues over the course of his rookie year. And he hits so hard, too. Like, this is somebody who wants to establish himself and run support. He is not tentative at all. He flies down. He wants to take out the running back. He wants to take out the ball carrier. And he also is somebody, if I'm going to be honest, where he's going to get flagged near the sideline because there was at least 
three or four times when I was going through his tape where he would made a hit along the sideline. Some of them were clean. The one against Coastal Carolina was a huge hit, but hey, the ball carrier was in bounds. The tight end was in bounds. Freaking <laughs> nail him if he's still in bounds. But there were times where like quarterbacks and running backs were like, all right, I'm trotting out of bounds. And they're like clearly like out of bounds. And he just like hits them after the whistle. And some of them didn't even prompt the flag. And I was like, okay, but this is somebody, bro, who he's smooth. He's tall. He's long. He's physical. He has the correct temperament. For all those reasons, I do believe he's going to make the team. Some of the receivers that he struggled with, they were all like those. I don't even want to say small. Some of them were like six foot, but they're like 188 pounds, you know, 175 pound type receivers. Like watching the Georgia State game, there was this receiver named Jamari Thrash, who now transferred to Louisville, who torched him like three separate times one when he was impressed he got caught lunging and thrash just ran right around him while they were outside the numbers caught like a 35 yard pass down the football field another one was a really long touchdown by uh, against thrash too then there was this receiver in middle tennessee state back in 2021 jalen lane who has since transferred to another school i believe as well he is another one who beat him on a dino stem which is essentially a oh no the dino stem actually was christian wells that was appalachian state a dino stem is when you are running a route you're about 10 12 yards off the line of scrimmage and you just take one hard step to the outside like you're running a corner and that's going to open the defender's hips and then you break back to the to the inside of the field and run a post almost like a corner post route only it's one stem it's like one step and he, our guy got beat pretty bad. Trey Hawkins got beat pretty bad by Christian Wells in that play. He was also burnt a couple times by Jalen Lane of MTSU. So speed, I think, is something that he possesses. I think he is fluid enough to be functional in man coverage at the next level, but he needs to clean up the footwork. He he needs to ensure that he is executing with efficient feet to mitigate the fact that he has struggled with speed. And also, when he is from depth, don't allow these receivers to get up on your toes. Make sure you gain depth in your drop back, in your zone, whether it's zone or man, when you're backpedaling, don't allow them to get up into your toes and eat into your leverage because every time that happened against these speedy receivers, it typically didn't end that well for Trey Hawkins III. Yeah, it, like we said before, he was a six-round pick, so there are reasons why he fell to the sixth round. But I think there are some good reasons why the Giants took him. He definitely has a lot of upside and I also think kind of maybe tempering his aggression just a little bit would help as he works on these, on the technical issues that he has playing cornerback. Cause you know, sometimes if your footwork is inefficient, uh, transitions, your technique, all of that sort of thing, and you're still looking to make the hit, you can take yourself out of good position. You can, kind of interrupt your own your balance and just make it easier for these quicker receivers to gain separation let's move on from trey hawkins the third a player i really like i know i spent some time on the negatives it's just i think it's something that you have to discuss there's a reason as chris said that he fell past the 200th pick in the nfl draft but very tantalizing size, speed, athletic ability, and somebody that I'm really glad the Giants ended up selecting in this draft. Obviously, they were interested in him pre-draft because they spent a top 30 visit on him. Now, round seven, pick 243, Jordan Riley, defensive tackle from Oregon. This guy spent time in four separate programs in college, started his college career in 2017 at the University of North Carolina. Then he ended up transferring to a community college 
then ended up at Nebraska, hurt his knee, came back for another season healthy, didn't play that much, and then transferred to Oregon and played a decent amount last year. And this is just somebody who is a nose tackle through and through, a one technique, played a lot of two-eye, two technique in Oregon's front, and they run a base 3-4 defense, so he played nose whenever they were in base. But, man, he can eat double teams, bro. <laughs> he is a block eater, <laughs> and one of his primary roles was to just kind of anchor down and not allow the guards to climb up to the second level or the center to locate the linebackers. And he did a good job at that. And honestly, we can make this a Jordan Riley versus DJ Davidson um, debate in a little bit. But first, I want to get your thoughts on what you saw from Jordan Riley. Yeah, he is just a massive human being is the first thing that just kind of leaps off the tape with him. I mean, he's 6'5", 340. His arms are about as big as most people's legs, and his legs are about the size of most people's waists. Like, he is just – you just say nose tackle, and Jordan Riley is – like, that just – is immediately what comes to mind. His picture could be in the dictionary under nose tackle, and I – do just stepping back a little bit think it's interesting at how many of how many just massive human beings the Giants are accumulating on their defensive front. And I think that could tell us a little something, or maybe a lot of something, about the kind of defense that Wink Martindale wants to play. But I think we also have plenty of time before things really start to ramp up to dive into that. Zooming back in on Jordan Riley. The thing that impressed me the most about him was his competitive toughness. For as big as he is, he gets after it. Like he, I saw him wind up on the ground a couple times, which happens, you know, the trash in there. It can trip these bigger guys off. But then he would get back up and he would get after the ball carrier. He would get into pursuit and he would pursue through the echo of the whistle, which for a guy his size, that's not easy to do. They get tired. Now, he wasn't running anybody down, which is something we can get into, but I still appreciate the the toughness that he played with. Yeah, he is not an easy player to displace, and I feel like when his technique is dialed in, elbows tight, hips are low, pad level low, hands fit inside, he has that ability to play peekaboo with blockers, right? With He could stack you, locate the running back, get his eyes on the running back, and then violently just discard you. And you saw that several times throughout his Oregon tape. And you're like, this is a player right here who could just anchor down, eat block, shed, and then execute his assignment. He has the upside to play two-gap defense. Now, not a lot of defenses run a two-gap defense per se, but there are plays and situations where you two-gap or you play a gap and a half. And I feel like Jordan Riley has a seventh-round pick, Chris. He can execute those assignments. He offers you (laughs) nothing as a pass rusher. Like His (laughs) pass rushing moves are very slow. He had, I think, two on tape club swims and then one club rip that were pretty impressive. But even those plays that he got pressures on, I think he only had 10 pressures, excluding the year he spent in community college throughout his entire college career. And he spent a lot of years in college. <laughs> but those <laughs> pass rushing reps that he won, Chris, were pretty slow, you know, slow and like easily kind of discerned by the offense, but he still won on them because they're so heavy. And you got to look at what Joe Shane said after the draft. Joe Shane said he was taken aback by Jordan Riley's size when he saw him on the football field because there aren't that many football players or human beings in general who have his size and his length. And then he mentioned this, his knockback. 
And that's something that Joe Shane appreciates pre- appreciates, and so do I, right? Like when you stack an offensive lineman and you punch him upon initial contact and you see that offensive lineman's helmet go backwards slightly, there is power, there's violence, there's oomph, there's pop behind those hands. And Jordan Riley has that. Now I want to ask you, Chris, the Giants selected DJ Davidson on day three last year. To me, people are like, oh, this is just a replicated pick. I don't necessarily see that. It might be a replicated pick in terms of they're both very large human beings and individuals who you got on day three who are slightly older. But to me, Jordan Riley is a better run defender and has more upside if you just want him to fill that role as someone who is going to basically basically be Justin Ellis from last year for the Giants. Whereas DJ Davidson has a little bit more pass rushing juice and is a, a little bit more quicker off the snap. Do you agree with that assessment? Yeah, DJ Davidson is definitely the better athlete between the two. Now, neither of them are great athletes in the absolute sense of the word. They're more like hydraulic presses than springs. But I would say that Davidson does have, like, when he gets, if he's able to jolt an offensive lineman back, he can follow up on it with a little bit of a burst. I didn't really see that from Jordan Riley. He would knock a guy back, but then pretty much hold the block. Now, maybe that was coaching. I, I don't know. Not in the room. But I'm not sure it is one or the other. Because as I said before, the, the Giants are accumulating a lot of very large human beings on their defensive line. And I don't, I do wonder if they really are looking at their defensive tackles apart from Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence as being block eaters to help Wink Martindale scheme up rushes for the defensive backs because the Giants didn't add any linebackers. They didn't add any edge defenders outside of undrafted free agency. They basically just got defensive linemen and defensive backs. So I, I, I do think, I think we are going to see a lot of very large individuals on this defensive line all at once. And I also think just studying Wink Martindale's defense, going back to his time at Baltimore, Chris, he likes to use a lot of different personnel packages. He wants to use every defensive player he has in a certain way to maximize what they can do on the football field. If you are a 330-pound defensive lineman who can just eat blocks, guess what? That can be leveraged by any freaking coaching staff. So he, if he can make this roster, which is not a given for any of the players we're talking about right now, I think it's the most the most certain play, or I don't even want to use the word certain, but if I had to choose one player who would make the roster, I would say it's Trey Hawkins the third. But Jordan Riley and DJ Davidson might be competing for a roster spot if Davidson is up for it after the ACL injury. And the next player we're going to talk about, Chris, he's no shoo-in for the roster, but it is at a position that I feel like the Giants need to add bodies at after losing Julian Love. Before we talk about one Javarius Owens out of the University of Houston, safety, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors here at SB Nation. Okay, Chris, Javarius Owens, safety out of Houston. Tell the audience a little bit about this six foot, 195 pound, 23 year old. Yeah, he, uh, yeah. Owens is 
long, like you said, he's six foot. I think he's got good length in his arms. He's a really athletic player with a slight asterisk on that, which I'm going to get to eventually. But I thought he had really light feet, really fluid hips. Like he could, I think, match up on a receiver in the slot and stay with them reasonably well. Maybe not in man coverage like a cornerback, but well enough. Well enough to at least muddy reads and slow down the quarterback. Yeah, the I think he's got a really good burst. I think he's got some upside as a blitzer. And I think he's got some upside as a free safety or a deep safety in like a cover three, cover two. Now, that kind of brings me to the little asterisk on the on him being really athletic because he's got a great burst. He's got great change of direction. But his long speed is weirdly bad for everything else that is great in his athletic profile. Yeah, He just slows down when he has to run more than like 10 or 20 yards. And I also noticed him taking some really wonky angles to the football. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yes, the wonky angles to the football was my biggest pet peeve with his film because there's a reason why this player missed as many tackles as he did. Last year, he missed 16, which was a 17.8% missed tackle rate. He's always had double-digit missed tackle rates at the safety position, which isn't uncommon in college football unless – your name is Brian Branch or Jartavius Quan Martin. Those guys were very secure tacklers who had like missed tackle rates of like less than 4%. Absolutely insane. Owens, not so much. I went through, I think, one game of his, and I haven't gotten to his evaluation yet where I haven't done my fill breakdown either. But from the film that I saw, I was like, come on, man, like make that tackle. What the hell are you doing? So I got a little frustrated from that, but I also saw tape of him, Chris, where he looks pretty smart in coverage, right? Like I've seen a decent amount of tape of him, but I've really focused on one game so far. That's what I mean. Because I put up clips of him on Twitter if anybody wants to go and check that out. And he is a player who, hey, there was a time where he was high load and he was on that route that was in the flat and it was a corner route. He came off that, dropped to depth, sank underneath the corner route, and almost came away with an interception. And he has a couple plays like that where he shows range despite the fact that he doesn't have that much speed. So that gave me a little bit of a, you know, it made me feel good about him. But I did not love him in run support. And I think the wild nature of his technique, it needs to be corrected. I think he needs to come to balance a little bit better. He needs to square up. He needs to wrap up and realize that he has these two things attached to his torso, his upper <laughs> torso, called arms. And you can use that to cradle a ball carrier and bring him to the ground instead of just kind of weakly throwing a shoulder into the ball carrier and then sliding off that tackle. So I think all that is correctable. I don't think he is the fastest guy in the world, but I did see range from him when he executed middle of the field close type of concepts, which also made me feel pretty good about him. This is a seventh round pick and similar to Trey Hawkins, the third. I think the idea of him is let's have him come in. He'll compete. He's not going to beat Bobby McCain out. If he does, that is an absolute home run. He, if he beats out Dane Belton, that's not great for Dane Belton. Let's say that much, <laughs> but he did or block two punts. Or Jason Pinnock. And Jason Pinnock, I said this on another podcast too, gets a bad rap from Giant fans. Chris, let's let's actually tackle this. I kind of like Jason Pinnock. I think he's tall. I think he's long. I think he's explosive. I think he's physical. What's your overall opinion of Pinnock? And then I'll get back to my point on Owens. I think Pinnock is a 
fine safety. I think he's a fine number three safety. I'm not sure he's a guy. That's exactly you want. Right. Yep. Yeah, I, I'm not sure he's a guy you want to be relying on to be a starter, to be like the in the Xavier McKinney role. But as a guy you bring onto the field in like a big nickel or a dime situation, I think he is absolutely fine. And considering how he came to be a giant, excellent value right there. And I think it's, like I said, if if Javarius Owens beats him out for a roster spot or beats him out for playing time, that is not great for Pinnock. And maybe we need to revisit our evaluations of both of these guys. And one more thing on Javarius Owens, the reason why he could stick on this roster, he had two blocked punts in his college career. He was a team captain. He was a leader of that Houston defense. He is, I would say, a functional athlete. I think he's very explosive. Might not, like we said, at the long speed. Did run a six seven five three cone, and I think that does show up on the little bit of tape that I did see of him. So there are reasons to appreciate this kid's skill set. And it is at a position that the Giants do need. So I want everybody to keep that in mind. 22 passes defended in his career, four interceptions. Could realistically make this roster. And honestly, dude, all of these day three picks, and we're not talking about Eric Gray on this podcast because we did a pretty detailed breakdown of him a little bit earlier after the draft, like I said before. But I do think all three of these guys could make the roster. I wouldn't be shocked if some of them get relegated to the practice squad. I think it's going to be interesting camp battles. But regardless of the fact, the Giants are at least finding value, good athletes at value later in the draft that at least have potential to make this team. But Chris, you have anything else on Gervarius Owens before we talk about one of the UDFAs in particular? Well, before we get to our one UDFA for today, I just want to say my overall feeling for each of these three late round draftees, Trey Hawkins, Jordan Riley, and Gervarius Owens, is that they were guys the Giants had priority free agent grades on, but somebody pounded the table for them. So they made sure they secured them. They used those late round draft picks to make sure no other team could outbid them. No other team maybe had a better uh, relationship built up and could out recruit the Giants for these guys' services. They basically used these late picks to lock up guys they didn't want to miss out on. But now, why don't we talk about the actual undrafted free agent, a guy that, honestly, I was surprised to see go undrafted. Yeah, and that is, of course, Bryce Ford Wheaton, the wide receiver who blew up the combine, size, speed out of West Virginia. I watched a little bit of tape on Bryce Ford Wheaton. He had a 997 RAS, like six foot three, 220 pounds, just insane type of testing score. If I'm going to be honest, Chris... I didn't think he played as fast as he tested. And I'm mainly probably saying that because I don't know if he looked faster on tape than, let's say, Tank Dell or even Zay Flowers or players like that. What's your take on that? And then please give me your opinions on Bryce Ford Wheaton. Yeah, exactly that. He ran a faster 40 than Jalen Hyatt did with a 4.38, but I did not see that on tape. Yet in my scouting report on him, I had a I had him down as a good but not great athlete and somebody who's kind of lacking burst out of his cuts, especially if he had to stop his feet to make a sharp break back to the ball. But at the combine, he had a 1.52 10-yard split, which is a 
which is 93rd percentile, almost 94th percentile, and then a 41-inch vert. So he obviously has an explosive lower body, but it is it is the difference between his athletic testing and the way he played on tape was honestly surprising to me. Now, maybe he just did some great work with the trainers after the after the season and really learned how to execute those drills because especially with the 40 yard dash technique is a lot of it. Or maybe the other thing I noted is that his technique as a receiver, his route running, uh, putting himself in good position to make his breaks, that was kind of lacking, which West Virginia's offense, that is not uncommon. That has been a trend for them for a good long while now. So maybe he just wasn't putting himself in good mechanical positions to use his full athletic ability. And maybe that's something that can be unlocked with coaching. Maybe. Yes. I watched a game of his from 2021 that made me get excited about him. And that was the Iowa state game. He had three plays that were really long down the field, two of them being touchdowns. Two of them were really impressive contested catches. Another one was a ball that he plucked out of the air with a defender kind of right in front of him. It was it was pretty impressive play. And that Iowa State game, I think he – I don't have the stats in front of me, but he had 11 targets right here. I got it. Seven catches, 91 yards, and the two touchdowns. That was one of my favorite films that I've seen of Bryce Ford Wheaton. That was back in 2021. But even then – I still didn't think this guy had like Jalen Hyatt's speed, but I love the addition from Joe Shane in this front office because he is, he's a big body man. Like, and he's thick too. He's 220 pounds, 225 pounds. Like that's a big boy. And you look at his legs, bro. Like they're, they're thick. He is not a small guy whatsoever. So you bring him in, you have him compete for a roster spot. Look, the giants wide receiver room. And I love the fact that I'm about to say this, Chris, I love it. It's pretty deep right now. It, it, it's, you know, you have Isaiah Hodgins, you have guys like Colin Johnson coming back, like players like that. It's not deep for the long term, which makes Bryce Ford Wheaton that much more appealing because after 2023, before this draft, there was only two wide receivers who were on this roster, Wando Robinson and Darius Slayton going forward. But I can see Bryce Ford Wheaton possibly finding a roster spot. He's going to have to carve out a role on special teams and he's going to have to ball out in training camp. I think he has somewhat of an uphill battle. But damn, does he have size and he has speed too, at least uh, on testing. I just wish he played a little bit faster. Yeah, agreed. Now, the things about about his game I did like is that, number one, he is one hell of a blocker, like especially on the perimeter. He was really heavily involved in West Virginia's running game. So if the Giants want to use outside zone off-tackle runs, they could put him on the field in like a four-receiver 10 personnel set and he will block his ass off, which is also useful on special teams. And he also is pretty good in contested catch situations. Yeah. He's got good body control. He's physical and he does have pretty darn good ball skills. And he does have that 41 inch vert. So if he winds up on the field or during mini camp training camp in the preseason, he has the ability to make kind of wow plays and make a case for himself, especially with Colin Johnson coming off an injury himself. So 
you've got this big athletic receiver, probably a possession receiver, could maybe someday turn into a, a legitimate X receiver. And I'm not sure the Giants would be able to sneak him through on waivers is I think the the argument for him making the roster. Just even if he is your wide receiver six or seven, depending on how they want to structure the roster, I think he does have the ability to help out on special teams day one and then maybe grow into something more. Chris, anything else on these four players that we went over? And Chris and I will be discussing some of the other undrafted free agents later in the week and whenever we also get around or locate and find some of their film. But Chris, anything else on these four players that we went over? Not right now. I am looking forward to seeing them this weekend for rookie mini camp. And I'm also looking forward to seeing which of the camp invitees wind up getting a contract offer from the Giants. Cause there's almost always at least one or two. And I think you will find some of the tape of these guys that we're going to be watching this week, getting ready for this weekend. Pretty interesting, especially the defensive tackle from uh, South Dakota state. Excellent. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in to the Chris and Nick show here on Big Blue View Radio. If you have not done so already, please head on over to BigBlueView.com and check out all of our written content. We are extensively covering the NFL draft and your beloved New York football giants. Thank you and have a lovely day.